I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 419. Welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. This broken road of life, it's not easy. There's pain and sorrow all around us. And there's often pain and sorrow within us. And then others inflict pain and sorrow on us. And we inflict pain and sorrow on others. It's not how it was created. But God redeems the broken things to advance his purposes. And that is what our song sings about this week. Riley Clemens' song, For the Good, comes straight from Scripture. And while the song is beautiful, there is so much more in the Holy Word of God to explore. And I can't wait to dive in together. But first, let's listen. For the good, for the good, you work. Riley Clemens is singing a truth found in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and it says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. I love that her chorus follows up with some responses to this truth. She turns her hope toward God, not just what he can do for her, but who he is. She says, you alone are my greatest hope. And then she responds in faith by placing her trust in our God of hope. I trust you on the broken road. You know, God doesn't call all things good, but he's not intimidated by the mess. You know, the brokenness and chaos of life are just building supplies in the hand of our loving God to create something new. Okay, regular listeners, our focus verse this this, uh, this week is in Romans 8. That's our inspiration. That's our launching point. So what do you think I did first this week? Well, I read in context of course, I, I share Bible interaction tool exercises that I call bites for short. And my favorite bite is to read in context. Now, in general, I define reading in context as reading the chapter before, the chapter, and the chapter after as like a minimum. But I often say that letters are written to be read as a whole. So that's the direction I took this week. Now, I know that Romans is Paul's longest letter, but I wanted to at least start at the beginning and read through my focus area. And so I did that. I started at the beginning of Romans and then I read through our focus area until I found kind of a natural stopping point. 
what do I mean by natural stopping point and how can you find it? Well, because there are chapters and subheadings within those chapters and then verses within those subheadings, uh, sometimes those kind of create these stopping points for us, but they aren't necessarily natural stopping points. So I tried something new this week. I read Romans in a reader's Bible. I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but a reader's Bible is one that removes chapter and verse delineations and all those subheadings and all those study notes and all those cross references, all those things that are very distracting so that you can just read the text as it was originally written. One letter, one book, you know, like as a whole. Okay, I found some resources to this end at the Institute for Bible Reading, and I've been listening to their podcast, the Bible Reset podcast, where they feature discussions on their philosophy of publishing a Bible in this manner on um, a a variety of topics. And I've really enjoyed it. They they even have an episode titled The Game Changing Power of Readers Bibles. And while I I have no reason to doubt them, (laughs) and their arguments seemed good and true, I had never experienced this kind of reading myself, and so I I did it for myself. The closest I get uh, in my current library is I have a Bible that doesn't have any study notes or cross-references in it. And it was really game-changing for me in that that type of Bible removed many distractions, Uh, But I never comprehended how distracting the verses and chapter divisions are until I read Romans this week in a reader's Bible. I'm going to link to the resource I used. I ordered the the Immerse Reading Bible volume titled Messiah. Uh, That is the entire New Testament in one book. It's about the size of a paperback novel. In fact, cover to cover, it's only 500 pages in a single column, novel-sized font and margins. It's like reading a book. It's like reading a novel. I turned to Romans and uh, because they do at least tell you like where, what you're reading, what, what, what book you're reading, what letter you're reading. I kept, and then I just kept reading and I, well, I, I immersed myself in reading Paul's letter to the Romans. There were many sentences and phrases and areas that I have either memorized or have great familiarity, and but now they naturally flowed out of where I was reading before instead of like sitting on the counter like a pithy saying on a coffee mug. They were, they were incorporated into the tapestry of the whole in a way I had never experienced before. And I tried to describe my experience to family and friends this week because I knew I wanted to describe it to you. <clears throat> and I found I just couldn't pop properly put into words what it's like to, to read and keep on reading without distraction in the text that I'm reading. And that's a bite, by the way. Read and keep on reading. It's a good bite when engaging the text of a book or a letter of the Bible because the author intended it to be read that way. And I think it's good to study and interact with God's word. You know that I do. I give bites each week that show you how to do that, that point to that. But we always need to start with reading the text for ourselves. The Immerse Bible is going to be a game changer for you too. I'm going to link again to it in my show notes, michellekneesat.com forward slash 419. But the Messiah is the entire New Testament. It's like $14 and some change on Amazon. 
start there. Literally, I ordered one for my daughter on Amazon. Two days later, she had it um, in her locker at college. So uh, one of the side benefits of reading Romans in a reader's Bible is that it lends itself to my next piece of advice. And that is to read the text for the big picture, for the main points of the letter, and then leave your questions of the text for later. And and in Romans, there are going to be a lot of questions, you know, and there's going to be many questions that are that are worth exploring and, and worthy of your time to seek out wise answers, just not at first. For example, Paul writes this letter uh, in the pattern of ancient rhetoric known as a diatribe. And in a diatribe, the teacher persuades students of the truth of a given philosophy through uh, imagined dialogue, usually in the form of questions and answers. And And using this pattern includes objections and false conclusions where the teacher is like, they ask a question and then they answer no, and then they correct the faulty thinking. And there's an example of this in our focus area of discussion today. Uh, but you're going to see it all over the letter from, from Paul to the people in Rome. Now, another thing to keep in mind and another reason to read the whole letter with as little distraction as possible is that Paul didn't necessarily present the whole gospel at every turn. So he starts arguments that assumes the knowledge that he details later, and he details arguments in one area of the text, wanting them to remain in the backdrop of the entire message. You're just going to need to constantly try to keep the whole argument in view, which will be made easier by reading the text in this way. And then also by going, uh, using the bite of repetition, you know, reading the whole letter to kind of get your bearings and then reading it again, remembering all the things that you learned the first time you read it, kind of keeping all of these arguments in view as you kind of engage with the various sections of the letter, because it really, there really are various sections and we're going to get to that in a minute. So when I said that I read Romans from the beginning through our focus text and then stopped at a natural point, well, where did I stop? And with no chapters and verses, how can I tell? <laughs> well, the immerse material has in the top inner corner of each page in small, faint text, the reference of where you would find it in a traditional reference Bible. So when I placed my bookmark at a natural transition, uh, and, and they will have some spacing in there that kind of you know, like when you go to a new scene in a novel, there maybe be some extra space or like a little star or something to kind of let you know. They have those throughout um, each letter, each book that that they uh, represent. And there was a little star, but I'd passed many stars. I kind of stopped because the it's like it shifted. The argument kind of changed. And then when I looked at the uh, the little inner corner of the page, I realized that I'd kind of stopped right before chapter 12. So just to double check myself, I pulled out um, to see if I was stopping at a truly natural stopping point, as, as other scholars might agree with me. I pulled out a book that I use often called How to Read the Bible Book by Book by Fee and Stewart. And they confirmed it. They said that there are natural divisions. They labeled part one, part two, part three, and part four. And according to the divisions identified by Fee and Stewart, our focus text is found in part two. And I naturally stopped between part three and part four. So that was nice to know to go, okay, yeah. I mean, as I'm reading through, it really did kind of like the the way the conversation shifted at chapter 12. So anyway, part two, according to them, according to Fee and Stewart, is from chapter 5, verse 12 to um, chapter 8, verse through verse 39. 
And this section speaks of three types of law, so to speak. So the law of sin and our sinful nature, the law of Moses, the written law, and the law of the spirit. And by the time we get to our focus scripture, we're really looking at the law of the spirit. So if you really don't want to start at the beginning of Romans, at least maybe back up to chapter five and read through um, all the way through chapter eight. Um, and I, I encourage you to keep going on. I mean, I again, I read one through 11 and it it was like, I, I just can't give you words. It was game changing. So again, we're talking about three laws, sinful nature or sin and sinful nature, the law of Moses and the law of the spirit. But the law of uh sin and even the written law, they bring condemnation on us. But the question is, are we under condemnation? And right out of the gate of chapter eight, verse one, it says, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. (laughs) Why? Well, doesn't sin have to be dealt with? Doesn't the law have to be fulfilled? And the answer is why? Yes, it does. But here's how it's all taken care of. Because you belong to him. And the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. You belong to Christ. This spirit doesn't give you immortality in your present body as much as freedom from the power of sin means that you won't experience that worst kind of death, that spiritual death, that eternal separation from God. So there you go. The spirit frees us from the power of sin. But what about the law? What about the written law? Well, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law couldn't do. He he sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. But what does that ultimately accomplish? Well, Christ's sacrifice ultimately means that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us. We talked about that when we read Leviticus last week. For for those of us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. So Christ has made the payment, has filled the requirement. So our new guide, our new standard is the Holy Spirit rather than the law that was written. Now, I want to say this. Of course, the law reflects the very nature of God because he wrote it. It was, it was a reflection of who he is and, and how things should be done. And, and, and it helped form our way of thinking as to right and wrong. But anything that the Holy Spirit leads us to do is not going to be in conflict with his nature already revealed in the instructions he gave to his chosen people. In fact, don't fool yourself. If you're not willing to follow the law, you're not willing to follow the Holy Spirit. Because you see, the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It, it never did obey God's laws, and it never will. And that's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But if you're not controlled by your sinful nature, you're controlled by the Spirit, if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And if you've accepted Christ's free gift of salvation, if you have counted the cost and you've chosen to follow him, the moment you surrendered and believed, Christ made his home in you. Christ lives within you. And even though your body will die because of sin, and yes, Adam and Eve's, you know, they offered, ushered sin in, uh, spiritual and physical death is what came of the sin that they committed. You know, we all have a 100% death rate, unless Jesus returns on his cloud before then, which I really hope he does. But even though your body will die, the Holy Spirit gives you life 
because you've been made right with God when you accepted Christ's sacrifice for your sin. The Spirit of God, that same Spirit who raised Christ from the dead, lives in you. And so what does this mean for us? Well, the Holy Spirit gives us a sense of new life now and the assurance of eternal life in the resurrection. So we have like a now and and coming. The Holy Spirit gives us a new mindset. You see, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. And then the Holy Spirit gives us a new identity. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. We received God's spirit when he adopted us as his own children. So now we call him Abba Father, Daddy. And his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. All of this truth from the beginning of Romans 8 leads us into our focus area of scripture that seems to be bookended, by the way, by suffering. And you might say, well, what truth from Romans 8? I thought you were just talking. You didn't you didn't tell me what you didn't give me any verses. <laughs> uh, I was just talking, but I was actually almost everything that I just said to you is word for word from the text of Romans chapter 8. You go read it for yourself. I just took out the text and kind of entered in a few words that might give you a little uh, explanation or some transition. I, I almost always want to give you scripture references so that you know which are my words and which is God's words. And so that you can go and read the text for yourself. I always say, go here, go there. Here's the text. But, but the way I just did it, that was way less distracting wasn't it? I never said verse one, verse three, verse five, but I did. I gave it to you all. It was all verses straight from Romans chapter eight. One of my grandmother's dearest friends used to have a tape ministry and he would record messages on a cassette tape and then mail them out to subscribers. (laughs) Tape ministries were the forerunner to podcasting, right? You know, subscribers listened to messages recorded just for them and delivered to them in a way that they could consume it. That's podcasting. Uh, But I always loved to listen to his messages because he would just speak and speak. And almost all of his words were directly from scripture, but he didn't say it was verse this and chapter that he just spoke God's truth without distraction. And that will be what that'll be your experience also as you read in the Reader's Bible. That's just a little rabbit trail. I want to get back to Romans 8. We're going to go a little bit long today, but I think it's going to be it's going to be worth it. The next section of Romans 8 calls us to look forward with a new perspective. So verse 18 starts out by saying, "Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later." Yet, what's the yet therefore? Well, we ended up talking about, we ended off talking about our new identity in Christ, that we were heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, which means we are heirs of God's glory. Hallelujah. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. We're waiting eagerly. Uh, But all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when Christ returns, because against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But there is hope because there's a coming day when God's children, along with creation, will live in glorious freedom from death and decay. 
I don't know where your brokenness lies, but death and decay are at the root of it, I'm sure. You know, physical death and decay, relational death and decay, financial death and decay. It's so real and so painful. All we can do is groan under the pressure and the sorrow and creation groans with us. We long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We've we've even been promised new bodies. We know it's all going to be so good because we have the Holy Spirit in us and he is a foretaste of our future glory. We've already talked about what an amazing foretaste he really is, giving us new life and a new mindset and a new identity. And there's more. (laughs) Yes, there's more. But in the meantime, we're broken and sick and sad and weak and we have troubles and we're persecuted and we're destitute and hungry and we're in danger and threatened with death. But even in this sad estate, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, he helps us pray. When we don't know what God wants to wants us to pray for, the Holy Spirit prays for us in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God will answer that prayer. He'll cause all the suffering to work together for our good. And that good and God's purpose for us is to look more like Jesus. He chose us. He called us to come to him. We came, but we couldn't stand before him because of our sin, because he's so holy. So he gave us right standing with himself through Jesus. And having given us right standing, he gave us his spirit and his glory. Yes, we'll suffer just like Jesus suffered, but we aren't alone and we won't be separated from the love of God by the things we suffer. Your sufferings don't mean God doesn't love you. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And that, my friends, is almost all of Romans 8. Not just the off-quoted Romans 8.28, which is a beautiful promise, but even more beautiful in the context of the whole, don't you think? And and don't just take my word for it. Romans 8 is even more beautiful in the context of the whole letter. <laughs> so what's next? Well, grab a reader's Bible. Start in Romans 1 and read through chapter 11. Uh There's an online option if you can't secure a paper copy. I'll I'll link to that in the show notes. Immerse yourself in the letter from Paul to the believers in Rome. Go back to chapter 8 to see how the Spirit of God changes everything, including our perspective on suffering. Rejoice in the right standing we have before God because of Christ and in the love of God that stands firm through it all. And then while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneesat.com. You can hop on Twitter or Instagram at michellekneesat. Michelle L. Nizat is my public Facebook page. And let's talk about what you're learning. Now, More Than a Song is a proud member of the NRT Podcast Network. Check out other podcasts in the network and Christian music resources at newreleasetoday.com. 
I would be honored if you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts so that you never miss an episode. But if you sign up on my website at michellenizette.com as well, then I'm able to email you once a week with the show notes, with all of the scriptures I use and live links to the resources I use in my personal study, both the links that I talk about on the podcast and also the resources that I actually use just to pull my thoughts together that maybe I don't even mention. Now, my featured free resource this week is my 30-day music challenge. And the challenge is this. Listen exclusively to Christian music for 30 days. I walk you through it with one-minute videos every day. It's free. So just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 30-day challenge to take the challenge. Change your music. Change your life. Now, with that in mind, I want to thank all my new subscribers who've subscribed recently, like Sharon from Florida, Lynn from Georgia, Cheryl from Ohio, Jonas from Germany, Sandy from Michigan, and Kathleen from California. Welcome. And don't forget, you can listen to the podcast directly on my website at michellekneesat.com, through iTunes, the Apple Podcast app, you can follow on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. And you can leave a review by heading over to lovethepodcast.com forward slash more than a song. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be using In Jesus' Name, God of Possible by Katie Nicole to dive into scripture. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 419. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.